Bonjour. Ogimel Penesse and Dijnikas, Mikizi and Totem, Vancouver and Donji. This is episode 9 of Mushroom Heaven, and I'm going to call this one Injustice. All right, so where do we begin? Uh, yeah, I'd say about um, two years ago, I decided to go back to Wabagoon, right, back to my res, because, uh, well, the job I had at the time was, was not paying what I needed to survive out here. I had my daughter, right, so I had to make a decision, right, and so, yeah, I decided to go back, and I arrived there May 1st, 2017. I remember because that was the day of the uh, timber claim uh, payouts. Uh, everybody on the ban list got $1,000 for that. Uh, so yeah, the timing was kind of nice on that. Uh, definitely needed the money at the time. And uh, yeah, it helped me get through that first little bit. Um, so I found myself in a situation where I needed a place to stay, right? So I kind of couch surfed for the first little while. Uh, a few different places here and there, and um, and then eventually a buddy of mine uh, talked to his mom, and she had a uh, an old restaurant that uh, wasn't being used, so it was kind of like a small shack, like a house, small house, and yeah, we worked out a deal, and yeah, me and my daughter uh, moved in there, right, so we had our own place, uh, and it was right beside the store, right, and so, um, yeah, I eventually applied for, um, for a job, right, on the uh, housing crew or housing maintenance or whatever. And so we'd go around doing renovations and, and things like that, uh, fix things, uh, you know, cut grass at the power grounds, you know, and things like that. And, uh, yeah, and then a few months later... Um, a unit became available up the road. It was like a duplex, so there was four units in, in one, in, in the duplex or whatever. And yeah, so uh, me and my daughter moved in there, <clears throat> right? And by this time, I'd bought in a truck. It was a res truck, right? It, it wasn't allowed on the highway or anything like that, but it was a little res beast, right? My little blue Suburban. I missed that thing, but uh, yeah, so, you know, things were going pretty good, had a job, had my own place, uh, my daughter was in school, and uh, yeah, me and my daughter uh, developed a very strong relationship, you know, she like came everywhere I went, you know, if I was out in the bush uh, making walking trails and stuff like that, she was there, and you know, I would share teachings with her and, and different things that I remembered uh, from when I went to ceremony. And uh, yeah, it was really awesome. It was uh, really, really awesome. You know, we'd play chess together. We were playing Scrabble. I'd watch movies with her. Um, you know, took her to the park and, and actually hung out at the park, you know, from time to time. Push her on the swing and whatnot. Um, and then, yeah, sometimes we'd go hang out at my uh, buddies there, my best friend. And, uh, yeah, you know, so, so things were, were going pretty good. And then I think it was August 7th, uh, they had nominations in my community. 
And for whatever reason, I got the idea in my mind that, um, you know, I think I wanted to run for chief and council. Oh, that's right. I got to back up a bit. So, yeah, uh, while I was doing my regular job, I, I wrote a proposal for governance, right? It was a detailed proposal. Um, it outlined the budget and the federal government would have paid for it uh, for five years. All I needed was chief and council's signature, right? But for one reason or another, uh, they didn't want to sign it. And I thought that was kind of dumb. It was actually really dumb. But anyways, <clears throat> um, yeah, so they rejected my proposal. Um, and then I proposed a uh, radio station with the help of uh, the journalist there. It was actually mostly his, but I, I just presented it or whatever. And again, they rejected it. Uh, you know, they didn't really say why. They just, you know, they, they, they don't really, you know, give you any reason. They just make the decision and then that's it, right? So they're not really following any logic or um, due process, you know, in my opinion. Or at least they didn't in those situations, right? You know, so perhaps they had a bias against me. Uh, because of uh, the YouTube channel I'd started at the time, you know, I was very critical of chief and council. I was very critical of a lot of aspects in my community, right? And well, what can I say? <clears throat> a lot of people didn't like that. <laughs> they didn't like the fact that I was shining a big mirror in front of everybody, right? And it's called truth. And uh, yeah, they, they didn't really like that. But anyways, you know, nonetheless, you know, these were legitimate proposals and they should have put that aside. They should have put their bias aside and been like, okay, what is this guy trying to say? Oh, governance. Oh, okay. Governance is good for the communities. Uh, from my research, uh, the more progressive communities typically have governance and stuff, right? And it puts checks and balances on power. It puts checks and balances on chief and council's power, right? And one of the core components of governance that, that I was proposing to, to get the ball rolling was to have a constitution in the community, right? Core principles, core values, uh, detailed uh, policy that outlines the decision-making process that chief and council would have to go through, uh, different uh, voting mandates in the community, right? Like the community would decide like how much uh, is considered a majority vote, right? Some it's 51%, for some it's 66 for some it's 75%, etc., etc. Right? And, uh, yeah, so I couldn't understand why chief and council wouldn't want a constitution. Like, why wouldn't you want a constitution? Like, this is going to benefit the community in ways that they're not even able to comprehend, right? And I think that's why they denied it. You know, because I was willing to put in the work. You know, I had previous experience from when I founded and was the president of the Indigenous Student Association at UBC, right? Like I wrote a constitution before I had to write a constitution for that, right? To get that off the ground. And, um, you know, all the cultural experience I got while doing that, right? So I felt like I was a worthy candidate. You know, I was, I was educated. I had a university education, from the second most prestigious university in Canada, also known as UBC. And yeah, they, uh, yeah, whatever, you know, they said no. So anyways, nominations, right? 
nominations happen. And so uh, I, I kind of, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, I, I made a deal with the devil, right? <laughs> so I went to this guy's house and I basically said, I'll nominate you if you nominate me. And we'll get Buddy here to uh, <laughs> to second our nomination and we'll be on the ballot, right? And so he agreed to it. Um, but a mistake was made. So they got me down for council, but I was only nominated for, for chief, right? And I needed a seconder and both of them had already left, right? And the time was ticking. And I was like, okay, I need someone who can second this, <laughs> right? <laughs> So I went and asked one of my buddies there, and he said no. And then I asked another buddy, and he said no. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, really? Like, help me out here <laughs> just a little bit. And so anyways, I decided to go back to the band office. I just waited. You know, the, 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 the thing closed at, like, 7, I think. And it was, like, 6.30, 6.35. It's kind of standing around, and it's, like, quarter two. And some, some stragglers come in. And anyways, uh, this uh, lady on my res, right? She saw my name on there. And she's like, oh, I'll second that. And I was like, <laughs> in my mind, I was like, holy shit. I was like, fucking right. So I was like, thank you. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so that's how I got on the ballot, right? And so uh, my first opportunity, I went to the band office. And I filled out this thing where I just wanted to run for chief. Right? I didn't want to run for council. I wanted to run for chief, right? So I took my name off the council ballot and just left it on the chief ballot, right? One of those people, you know, I, I just go for it, right? I just go for the moonshot goal. You know, I can't help it. It's like it's all or nothing, right? And, uh, yeah, I kind of went from there. <clears throat> I started a uh, Facebook page. Uh, I wrote a couple political essays, uh, created a pamphlet, distributed it around the community. I uh, went house to house and, and tried talking to the community members and asking them what they'd like to see changed in the community. Like, yeah, I was, I was pretty genuine, right? I genuinely wanted to help my community. I genuinely wanted to make the changes that were needed to better the community, right? Like the status quo just wasn't working. It just isn't working, right? And, uh, yeah, that, that's, that's my thoughts on that. And then you got to consider the context here. This was 2017, right? I haven't really been too involved since then. So, so I don't know what they've done in the last two years. But anyways, for right now, it's irrelevant. And, uh, yeah, so, you know, I'm campaigning, I'm campaigning. And then on uh, September 4th, I went to... Um, a sweat. Well, yeah, it was the weekend of the powwow, right? So, so I, I worked security at the powwow for the last day. And, uh, yeah, it was just around the powwow. You know, I met these uh, chicks there and stuff. And, uh, you know, whatever. Anyways, it was a good time. And, um, yeah, so September 4th, um, I went to a sweat, right? I met this guy on my res. It was a Sunday, like a week before or something. And uh, all the power was out. Right. And so he was driving down there hoping the store was open so he could get some smokes. Right. And this guy wasn't for my res. He was some, you know, uh, whatever. And anyways, we started talking 
and then somehow <laughs> the topic of the Sundance came up and he's like, oh man, like, this guy knows the Sundance. I was like, oh shit. It's like, okay. And, you know, kind of went from there, exchanged numbers and information and then kind of went from there, right? And anyways, he said there was going to be a sweat on September 4th, 2017, right? And I believe that was, would have been a Monday. Yeah, I want to say it was a Monday. Either Sunday or Monday. Anyways, um, yeah, so we went to this uh, sweat, right, out in uh, Manitou Rapids. And so me and my daughter, uh, him, and then uh, this other guy was there, this young guy, uh, who was from my res, right? And so we're all going to the sweat lodge. And so we're driving up Fort Francis Highway, right? It's a real windy highway. It's way out in the bush, right? And, uh, <laughs> yeah, so we're, like, driving or whatever, and uh, Buddy pulls over. He sees something, right? He sees something on the road. And I'm like, oh, okay, what's going on here? So he, so he pulls over on the opposite side of the road, right? So he's facing traffic, and uh, he just decided to park there. Like, obviously, there was still room for people to drive by, but it was kind of, I don't know. But anyways, so we get out of the truck. I'm, I'm trying to, what's this guy looking at, right? So I see, and then I'm like, oh, so like down uh, this little hill, right? That was beside the road. There was this little uh, swamp and there was a, uh, a dead moose in there, right? And so they're looking from a distance, right? And, I'm, and I see this thing and I'm like, oh man, I want to get a close up of this, right? So I hop over the little fence or whatever and, and I get as close as I can, right? I'm basically standing over this thing, right? And it's got a big open wound or whatever. I don't know what happened. But yeah, this was this was a dead moose, right? <laughs> and so I was just like fascinated by it or whatever. And I was like, oh, okay. And then, you know, went back to the truck. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so, oh, and these like people drove by. They're like honking their horn. They're like, you fucking Indians. And they're just being real racist. <laughs> it's like, holy fuck. <laughs> and so, yeah, I know. Anyways, we end up going back in the truck and start driving and um yeah so we're nearing the uh the place where they get the grandfathers right there's this big pit or whatever it's got a bunch of grandfathers or right? a bunch of rocks right big rocks and we call them grandfathers and anyways and so we're approaching it right and for some reason in my mind i was like you know i've been to a lot of different sweats right where they use different numbers of uh of, of grandfathers and stuff right and for whatever reason the number 64 came to my mind. I was like, for some reason, this is like a sweat lodge with 64 grandfathers. And I'd never been to a sweat lodge with 64 grandfathers before, right? So this was like just a, a random guess, right? An intuitive guess. And, you know, we pull over and the elder's standing there and he's, you know, putting grandfathers in the back of his truck. And, uh, you know, we all get out and then Buddy's like, so uh, how many grandfathers are we using today, uh, Moshom? And he looks at him, and he's like, oh, I think we'll use uh, 64 today. <laughs> and I'm standing there, and I'm just like, my mind is blown, right? I'm like, what? I, was, I just had to, like, turn around. I was like, what the f Oh, my God, what? What are the odds of that, man? Seriously, like, what are the odds of that? That is just, like, crazy, right? And so, yeah, we went from there. We loaded up the grandfathers, and then we drove back to his place. And uh, they started the fire, right? And he had this little uh, roundhouse behind his house, like a little ceremonial house um, with a whole bunch of uh, sacred items in there and medicines and stuff, right? And, uh, yeah, you know, we're, we're just chatting, you know, just small talk, whatever. And, you know, my daughter's there. And, you know, so 
one of the sweats just about ready to go, we go in there, right? And uh, if I remember correctly, at this point, I was like, okay, so I guess the grandfather's right. I was like, I bet she's going to start off with a Thunderbird song or something, right? <laughs> and anyways, sure enough, man, he, he starts singing uh, Penese, and he's, he's like, yeah, he's singing that Thunderbird song, right? And uh, yeah, man, so it was a pretty powerful ceremony for me. There was something really uh, strong going on there, right? And um, I ended up singing a song in there, maybe two songs. And then um, I think it was after like the third round or something. For some reason, this this thing just came to me. I, I couldn't explain why. But uh, But I just asked him, like straight up, I just asked him. I was like, am I a Wendigo con? Right? And he just kind of like looked at me. He didn't really say anything. And then he just closed the door. And the fourth round began, right? And so while the fourth round is going, I'm looking in the center, right, where the grandfathers are. And there's this little white light, like this tiny, teeny, tiny white light. You know, it looked like a little star or something. It came towards me. And it went right in my chest, man. And I was like, looking around, I was like, did anybody else see that? What? <laughs> Dude, man, it was just so like, whoa. And uh, so anyways, the round ends. He opens the door. And then he looks at me. And he's like, uh, all right, you need to get a, a white cloth, uh, some rotten food, some rotten berries, and things like that. And you need to make an offering to the spirits, right? And it's got to be facing north, right? Your altar needs to be facing north. And I was like, oh. And so he answered my question, right? He answered it indirectly, right? And so from the little bit that I know, it's all about contrary it's all about backwards it's about doing things differently you know we're very rare very rare but to my understanding uh we're also like healers and like powerful spiritual beings you know what i mean that's my understanding i don't know i could be wrong somebody correct me if i'm wrong here <laughs> but that's how i perceive it and that's how i feel and uh yeah so man that was that was a huge huge eye-opening moment for me right it, it it really made my life made sense because of just how everything happened right i was like okay that actually makes a lot of sense now you know i've always been a non-conformist i've always been an individualist and uh, i've always been critical of tradition and and social norms and things like that and it's like okay you know what that actually makes sense right and um yeah so i went from there uh, a couple days later, well, before that, you know, I went and told uh, my best friends, like, what had just happened, right? As soon as I got back, I was just, like, overwhelmed with with joy and, and clarity, and I was so happy, man. It was, like, one of the happiest days of my life. I was just like, man, I felt great. And so I made sure I told, you know, the important people in my life, like, I needed them to know, right? It's like, this is who I am, Right? And so I did that. Uh, a couple days later, I decided to go to the band office. Right? I I I'd 
had a conversation with my younger brother like a couple days before or something and I don't know anyways it was about the the job that was offered like a few weeks prior he was qualified for it instead they hired someone else right and this woman was just like she'd robbed our community of like millions of dollars like you know 15 years earlier some business she had going or whatever and it's just a big fraud right so instead they hire her and they let her work from home and it's just like really like what the hell is going on here like this is bullshit and so yeah i wanted to give uh, chief and council a piece of my mind right like like what the hell are you guys doing like how, how did you make that decision my younger brother is an actual band member of this community and he's qualified for the job why didn't you hire him you hired her really like come on Anyways, <clears throat> so that's when I, so I went to the band office. I don't know, it was like 11 o'clock in the morning or something. And uh, I seen one of the counselors and the economic officer standing outside uh, having a smoke or sitting outside having a smoke, right? And I just kind of gave them a really mean look, like a, just a real serious look, right? But I didn't say anything as I walked in. And uh, I think I went straight to either, yeah, I think I went to the human resources office and uh <laughs> i gave her a piece of my mind right i was like oh man and she didn't like it and she's like just freaking out or whatever i was like all right fuck you and then i go to uh one of the counselor's office right and i start barking at him and i'm just like fucking bummed right up man i was so mad i was like i'm so sick of this shit man this fucking bullshit that happens around here like what the fuck are you guys doing like seriously come on man really and, uh, yeah, so, you know, and then as I left the band office, I looked at the other counselor and the economic development officer. I, was, and I just gave them a piece of my mind, too. I was right? like, you guys are fucking morons and you guys don't get shit done around here. And it's like, fuck. And I just left there and, you know, I was kind of like swearing and stuff, right? I was like having a moment. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so I went home, right? And, uh, you know, later on that night uh, in the evening time, uh, Treaty 3 shows up at my door, right? And, uh, oh yeah, you know, the prior, to, prior to this, uh, the social workers were harassing me. They were harassing my kid. They cornered my daughter at the store and asked her, are you scared of your dad? Like, what kind of question is that? But you know what? You know what my daughter said? She said, no, I love my dad. Like, what an awesome daughter. You know what I mean? She knew what was going on. She sensed something was wrong, right? And she stood her ground. So this was this was what I was dealing with, right? So I'm dealing with that. I'm dealing with the Chief and Council thing, whatever. And then Treaty 3 comes knocking on my door, right? At like 7 in the evening. So I open my door, right? And I'm like, what the hell do you guys want? What are you doing here? You know, like, uh, I was really aggressive. I really was. Like, I just, I, I was so sick and tired of everything that was going on there, right? So I was, that's just the way I was, right? But I was within my right, you know? I wasn't physically assaulting anybody or, or doing anything like that, right? And, uh, yeah. So that happened. And after they left, I decided that I was going to do my altar at the band office, right? 
So yeah, I waited till 3 in the morning, 3.30 in the morning, because that's when we have our ceremonies, right? We do our ceremonies at 3.30 in the morning, all right? <laughs> and uh, yeah, so, you know, that's what I did. And say what you want, you know, if I'm going to show my daughter my culture, I'm going to show my daughter my culture because it's my culture. It's nobody else's, right? Sure, there's the culture and I practice aspects of it, but there's also something called my culture, something that the spirits have shown me, something that the elders have told me, right? So, yeah, we went to the band office at 3.30 in the morning and we did the altar, right? I said a prayer and then we left, right? And we went to the lake. Actually, I think before we went to the lake, uh, we watched the movie Logan. And if anybody who's watched the movie Logan, it's about a father and a daughter, right? And so I'm like watching this movie and we watched the movie, right? After that, um, we went to the lake, right? I was like, hey, I just want to go to the lake and just kind of pray and stuff, right? <clears throat> and at this point, I'm fasting, right? She's not, but I am, right? Because I'm praying and I'm trying to like, you know, just, I don't know. Just... Anyways, so we're at the lake, right? And now it's morning time. And by now people have found the altar at the band office, right? Oh, I left Chief and Council a little message too, so there's that. But anyways, um, yeah. So by 9 o'clock, you know, they must have found it, right? So apparently the, the cops came down, they busted down my door. Right. I wasn't home because me and my daughter were at the lake. Right. And so they sent out this big search party and it must have been around noon. You know, I'd been up all night and my daughter had taken a long nap. Right. As soon as we got to the lake, we had a blanket and stuff like that and a pillow. And it's like, OK, hey, go to bed for a while, you know, just just go to bed. Right. So she wakes up. <laughs> And I'm like, okay, Alyssa, Daddy's just gonna take a little nap, okay? Just like a 20 minute nap, cause I just, I just needed a little nap, right? I was tired. And uh, yeah, so I was laying back in my lawn chair. And uh, yeah, I went there, you know, I closed my eyes, and next thing I know, when I open my eyes, two cops are standing there, tree three cop and an OPP cop. They grab me, they throw me on the ground, they start roughing me up right in front of my kid. And it was just like, what the fuck is going on here, man? Like everything just changed in that moment. I knew something was wrong. I knew something was off, right? Like something was really off about the situation. And so anyways, uh, they put me in cuffs, stood up, whatever. And what do I see? I see one of the counselors standing there fucking piece of shit anyways um <clears throat> we're walking and i see this other guy that i know right and he uh he, he's like uh something along the lines of uh I, I don't see a gun right and i was like a gun what the fuck are these guys talking about so apparently somebody thought we had a f like really like dude this was such a fucked up situation like it was really bad they went in there thinking I had a gun. It's just like, oh my God, like, oh my God, right? Anyways, they hauled us out of the bush and then I see my older brother walking down the road and I tell him to take my daughter and just take her home, right? Take, take her to his place. But the fucking piece of shit Treaty 3 cop that was there was like, nope, no, 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 you know? And 
sends her to Porky. Ah, fuck, I shouldn't have said his name. Anyways, whatever. It's not his real name. <clears throat> but anyways, um, yeah, so that's what happened, right? And next thing I know, I'm being hauled out of the reserve. They'd read my charges, you know, intimidation, causing a disturbance, mischief, and resisting arrest. And I was innocent of all those charges. Honestly, I was. There was no permanent damage done to the building. I was exercising my freedom of speech and political right to voice my opinion in the Batten office. And the resisting arrest charge, really? They grabbed me while I was sleeping. How the hell am I supposed to resist arrest while I'm sleeping? Like, really? And they roughed me up in front of my kid? Like, this is the kind of crap that's going on over there, right? And I really think it's important for people to know that, that these kinds of things happened, right? It happened to me, right? I lost everything. I lost my daughter. I lost my job. I lost my truck. I couldn't go back to my res, right? Because the chief and council threatened to BCR me, so the crown used that to keep me in custody, right? And a seven-year gap in my record, I got these dinky little charges, and I'm being held in custody. Meanwhile, this other guy that's in the bullpen, right? He's got gun-possessing charges, fucking crystal meth with the intent to distribute, like, all these serious charges, assaulting a police officer. They let him out on bail. They let him out on bail, but they kept me in. See, this is the system we're dealing with here, this broken system. It's so broken, right? <sighs> and, yeah. So I ended up having to stay in Kenora for, for five months at this halfway house. And, uh, you know, I ended up having to go on EI. Um, they kept my daughter in Dryden, which was like two hours away, right? Why they didn't put her in a foster home in Kenora is beyond me. But that's what they did, right? So they separated me from my kid. And you know what? Fuck them. Okay. Um, all right. So I guess... I guess I, I just needed to get that off my chest, right? And, uh, you know, I think it's really important that people know the truth, right? Like, this is a part of my past. This is a part of my history. Like, this is a part of who I am, right? But with all that being said, you know, I've gotten past that now, right? I'm learning to let that go, right? I'm learning to let that go and move forward, right? With this new purpose that I have, with this newfound enlightenment that I've been experiencing, right? And I want to hold on to that, right? I want to hold on to it real tight. So anyways, I appreciate uh, all the listeners and all the feedback that I've gotten. And thanks again for listening to Mushroom Heaven. <laughs>